Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Today is the 1st of May, a synchronous day, the 121st day of 2023, leaving 244 days ahead of us on our way to 2024. 17th century English lyric poet and Anglican cleric Robert Herrick was big on May and on seizing the day, not only in a poem such as To the Virgins, To Make Much of Time, but also in another fine Carpe Diem verse, Corinna's Going A-Maying, a snatch of which reads as follows, Nay, not so much as out of bed, when all the birds have matins said and sung their thankful hymns, tis sin, nay, profanation to keep in, when as a thousand virgins on this day spring sooner than the lark to fetch in May. Or this from English romantic poem William Wordsworth's Ode Composed on a May Morning. While from the purpling east departs the star that led the dawn, blithe flora from her couch upstarts, for May is on the lawn. In Orno, this first week of May is also finals week at the University of Maine, where soon, as the old fella says, it'll all be over except for the crying, when more than a few students find themselves not positioned happily on that spectrum stretching from everything wrong to everything right. May Day is also Workers' Day or International Workers' Day, commemorating the struggles and gains made by workers and the labor movement and is celebrated in many countries. May 1st is celebrated as Law Day, too, providing, as the Maine Bar Association suggests, an opportunity to understand how law and the legal process protect our liberty, strive to achieve justice, and contribute to the freedoms that all Americans share. Heavenward, we find the relevance of May Day as well, since it is a spring festival of ancient origins in the Northern Hemisphere, an astronomical holiday of sorts, because it's one of the year's four cross-quarter days, falling more or less midway between an equinox and a solstice. In today's case, halfway on the calendar between the spring equinox and the summer solstice. For a New England twist, no pun intended, to traditional European Maypole dancing, spend a few moments with America's own Nathaniel Hawthorne's short story, The Maypole of Marymount. On Friday, look for May's full moon, the flower moon, also known variously as the leaf-budding moon, the planting moon, the egg-laying moon, the frog moon, and the moon of the shedding ponies. Today, in 1486, Cristobal Colón, a.k.a. Christopher Columbus, proposed to Queen Isabella of Spain his plan to search for a western route to India. She would spend three years before granting full support in 1489, and another three years would pass before Columbus's first expedition actually launched. Today, in 1753, botanist, physician, zoologist, and pioneer taxonomist Clark Linnaeus published his Species Plantarum, which is seen as the formal starting date of plant taxonomy adopted by the International Code of Botanical Nomenclature. Today, in 1786, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart's opera The Marriage of Figaro premiered in Vienna with Mozart directing.
Today in 1873, the first U.S. postal card was issued. Today in 1884, catcher Moses Walker joining the Toledo Blue Stockings was acknowledged as the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. And construction of the first skyscraper, 10 stories tall, was begun in Chicago. Today in 1926, baseball pitcher Satchel Paige debuted in the Negro Southern League for Chattanooga. Today in 1931, the Empire State Building opened in New York City. Today in 1950, Gwendolyn Brooks became the first African-American awarded the Pulitzer Prize for poetry. Today in 1952, Mr. Potato Head was introduced. Meanwhile, Maine's whitewater racing season continues with national champion canoeist Clayton Cole again hosting the Kanduskeg Slalom in Bangor this weekend. Almost three weeks ago, President Joe Biden officially ended the national emergency set in place three years ago to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. Johns Hopkins University of Medicine Coronavirus Resource Center has stopped collecting data, primarily due to the declining availability of data from state and local health officials, a difficulty also expressed last month by the New York Times, which has since reduced the frequency of their reports from daily to weekly, the rate at which the CDC currently provides stats about COVID. In its new weekly report this past Friday, the Times reported that the U.S. had 94,140 confirmed cases of COVID the past week with 1,160 deaths, or approximately one death every eight and a half minutes. Certainly still an emergency for some of our fellow citizens. Total COVID deaths since 2020 are at 1.2 million. The FAA continues to report that every wastewater sample taken from every commercial airline flight in the U.S. has indicated the presence of COVID. Week before last, the FDA authorized a new second bivalent booster vaccination for persons 65 years and older who have received their first booster at least four months ago. Today in 1923 in Brooklyn, New York, Joseph Heller was born, the youngest of three children to a bakery truck driver father who died when Joseph was five. Biographer Ed Morrow tells us Heller's mother then raised the children on her own in an ethnic, ethnically mixed Coney Island neighborhood. After high school, Heller worked as an insurance company clerk until the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, after which he enlisted in the U.S. Army Air Corps, becoming a B-25 bombardier stationed in Corsica with the 488th Squadron, 340th Bombardment Group, and flew 60 bombing missions over Italy and France. After the war, Heller used the GI Bill to attend New York University and Columbia, eventually earning a master's degree in American literature, and then studying English literature on a Fulbright scholarship at Oxford. Publishing short stories as an undergraduate and unhappily teaching composition at Pennsylvania State University, Heller spent a decade in New York writing at an ad agency while also managing to publish Catch-22, which did not, did not garner much success until the critic S.J. Perlman bestowed accolades, which helped turn Heller into a prominent figure in American literature. Catch-22 is based on Heller's war experiences, which early on were lackluster, but then changed. 
I was sorry when nobody shot at us. I wanted to see a sky full of flak and dogfights and billowing parachutes. War was like a movie to me until, on my 37th mission, we bombed Avignon and a guy in my airplane was wounded. I suddenly realized, good God, they're trying to kill me too. War wasn't much fun after that. After Avignon, all I wanted to do was go home. Here in Maine, a pilot friend of mine, Alan Pickering, flew B-52s during the Vietnam War and has told me that it became the responsibility of one crew member on each flight to read passages from Catch-22 over the intercom while the airplane was making the several-hour voyage from Guam to Vietnam and then back, as the entire purpose of the trip, to unload the bomber's payload, would only take a minute or less. Today is also the birthday in 1672 of English essayist Joseph Addison. In 1852 of American Frontiers woman Calamity Jane. In 1909 of American singer Kate Smith. In 1916 of Canadian-American actor Glenn Ford. In 1918 of American comedian and TV host Jack Parr. In 1924 of American R&B singer Big Maybell. In 1925 of American astronaut Scott Carpenter. In 1934 of American pianist and vocalist Shirley Horn in 1939 of American singer Judy Collins, and in 1962 of American comedian Bobcat Goldthwait. From Orono, Maine, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Here's to the seventh official week of spring and to the 18th week of the new year.